All right, I just kind of want to give you a little bit of a background uh, for those of you who haven't been here just to hear kind of what we've been doing all along. And then that kind of leads into uh, these reports on, on, uh, on the teams that we formed. So we're kind of at an interesting point now where we're sort of at that cusp uh, between planning and action. And, you know, at least with, with the group that's been involved, there's quite a bit of excitement and uh, uh, maybe even a little bit of nervousness about at this point because when you go from planning to action, things can go wrong. Uh, like, for instance, I had a nice little video here that I was going to show you, and now it doesn't work. So that went wrong. <laughs> so I'm, hopefully I just kind of got that out of the way. Uh, for those of you who watched TV in the 80s, you see, you probably recognize this as the A-Team. And a very common quote, pretty much every episode, was Hannibal Smith, who's the second from the right, would say, I love it when the plan comes together. And we're kind of at that point, and we're, I think, of that mindset, the folks who've kind of been involved with this all along, it's like, I love this now, where the plan is coming together, and it seems like things are going to start happening right now. But then there's this little quote, uh, which we heard uh, during our first retreat. This is uh, Eisenhower. In preparing for battle, I have always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. It sounds kind of like he's talking nonsense, right? So the, the explanation of that is that a value of a plan lies in the act and the effort of planning. Planning encourages situational awareness. A good plan establishes a vision and goals and supporting objectives and provides context and directionality so the team can move forward and be supported without being locked in. I got that right off the internet. <laughs> so it's, it's true, right? Okay, so that's the planning piece. That's the value of planning. But project success is rarely attributable to an accurate plan. It is more often a result of agility. And if you're a project manager, you know well what agility is. When the team is aware of the overall project purpose and vision, it is empowered to make the best decisions based on the current circumstances. This agility requires a team to be constantly planning, evaluating, and replanning. It's kind of where we find ourselves right now. And so those are the reports that you'll be getting tonight, kind of where we're at and kind of getting a sense of what's, you know, the journey that we're launching into. So you see on this slide that a strat-out process is um, a process of discerning who we'd like to be, what we need to do to realize that vision, recognizing uh, or reorganizing, excuse me, to accomplish that work. And you'll, you'll hear tonight part of that reorganizing. Moving forward, focused on that vision, reassessing regularly. And every step of the way, you, the congregation, are have been and will continue to be invited to participate. Anybody know what this is? Yes, and what kind of bird specifically? Starlings. Nicely done, Adrian. Yeah, starlings in particular have this behavior. It's called murmuration. So, 
in leadership, murmuration is a seamless handover, takeover of the leadership role within a team where there is no single defined leader. It's called murmuration. When there is no single per person in charge of running the show, each task is drilled down into the expertise it will require. And then each expertise will be led by a different leader, one who knows more about that portion of the task better than anyone else. And that's kind of what we're trying to model, that sort of a leadership, which is why you're all being brought in on this. You're all in that flock. Has anybody seen this phenomenon? Yes, Adrian, you have. It's quite, quite remarkable and can be quite scary, right, if you kind of get caught up in it. And startlings are not the nicest birds, no. I, I think an interesting sidelight about this, and I just, you know, again, this is kind of reading further into it, but generally speaking, this usually happens in the wintertime, and it usually happens right before they find a place to roost, find a place to rest. And I was thinking about, you know, I kind of looked that up before this morning's service, and then and then when, when, when Josh was uh, sharing the piece, he, he said this, uh, you know, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You know, that peace, that rest. And then John, a little bit later, was talking about, you know, what does it mean when we say rest in peace? You know, rest from the struggles of sin. So in a way, I kind of, you know, I, obviously you could take a metaphor too far, and I have a tendency to do that, but... You know, are we not kind of looking for a point of rest as we kind of move forward? Anyway, I thought that was kind of cool. I used to be a bird watcher. So this is the process. Uh, we've kind of gone over this with you before. I cannot barely read it. But anyway, perspective, planning, action, structure, management, and renewal. And right now, we're at structure. We're going to talk to you about the structure that we developed, to the teams that we developed, and why we developed them that way. Uh, you can see the list of names of folks who have been involved with this all along. And it's been a growing experience. I think all of us would say uh, that it's been a growing experience and exciting. So again, we met first in March for three days. And during the entire three days, we talked about perspective, which seems a little bit like overkill, but it wasn't. It was absolutely necessary because perspective means you've got to go at several different layers, all the way down to what they call mental models, and those are difficult to, to, to get at. And so those three days were, were well spent. I think right about that same time, John, you had another little odd quote. I don't know where you got it from, but perspective is a lovely atmosphere. Perspective is a lovely hand to hold. I saw there's a band called Perspective, a lovely hand to hold. Go figure, right? But we really, really dwelled into the perspective piece of it, and I think it was absolutely essential that we did. Coming out of that, um, we had these four helpful lists, um, and I can't read the, uh, the titles of it. Maybe I have to look here. But <laughs> what is right, what is wrong, what is confused, what is missing? And we did that first on this side as a team, and then we brought you guys together, and we did it in four different groups. And guess what? We're going to do it again. 
because this is something that you can't do too much of because it's, it's that necessary reflection that we need to do to get a sense of where we're at. Okay, so all this occurred uh, during that first retreat and we are going to do it again tonight. Coming out of that uh, exercise, we came up with these four core strategies. The prayer initiative, the communication upgrade, pastoral care, and discipleship pathway. And you're going to see that each of our four main teams come out of each of these four main core strategies. So that really set the pace for us from the, from the very beginning. And then we met again in August for two days. So that first time we met was three. Now in August we met for two days. And during that time, we did planning and action, the next two steps of the strat-up. And again, I can't read it. So we, um, we did some visioning, mission type of work. Where do we stand? Where are we headed? How will we get there? And then from that, we uh, developed values as best we could. Values are beliefs and ideals shared by the members of an organization or a community. Values determine our priorities. They help us develop measures to determine whether we are moving in a direction that God is calling us. It's a real necessary step if we're going to be able to see, you know, whether or not we're moving in the right direction, right? Whether we're abiding by those values that we felt called to um, by God. And from that, we developed this uh, vision statement, which is guiding the process of Stratop. We exist to abide in Christ, to equip and empower disciples, to proclaim the gospel, and to serve the world. And I think as you read through that, you uh, would agree with me that that really seems like the right direction, right? This is the right vision. Again, that was during that second retreat that we did, that we came up with that. And I just skipped. The next part was action. In action, what we did is we tried to visualize in real concrete terms where we wanted to be and then try to figure out what are the drivers that will get us there. And this is too small for you to see. We had this up to the last time. But on the, right, on, on the left-hand side is something called a dashboard. And in that dashboard, we had, we had some very objective measures that we thought we could really obtain. Uh, it was a painful process trying to come up with those. We had drivers that we thought would help us get to that point, or some people call them facilitators. And then on the left side, we had like risk factors or barriers that would keep us from getting to those points. And I think that as we have formed our, uh, our teams, those kind of remain large in our heads because those are going to be things that we need to pray about because those are the things that Satan are going to use, that Satan is going to use, to keep us from getting to where we need to go. So to me, those risk uh, uh, factors are huge when it comes to how we pray ourselves through this. And then from that, so the dashboard is a, it's an information management tool that visually tracks, analyzes, displays key measures, monitors the health and the performance of an organization. Everybody has a dashboard now, and now we do too. Um, but they are very helpful, and it's a necessary process of this, uh, piece of this process. Then from that, we developed these, uh, this action initiative profile, and we talked about that right towards the end of um, our conversation last time we talked about Stratop. And we said, so here we are. And I think at that point, we had seven teams. And really, during that, right after that last retreat, or that, that retreat with the two days, we... Uh, 
endeavored to get together as those teams to talk about where we want to go. And that gave us some more clarity going into then the third and the final um, retreat, which was just last Saturday. So that's really kind of where we're playing off of now. And at this point, we are at the step that's called structure, and that we're really trying to live into these structures that we have developed, and which basically are our teams. And you can see here, on the left here, those are the different teams that we have formed. We have a prayer team, a discipleship team, a communication team, an organization team, and a care and belonging team. And those all play off of the action initiatives profile. And each uh, of those teams has one objective and several key deliverables, which we'll be talking about uh, shortly, uh, a leader, a deadline, and a status. So that's kind of where we're at now. That's the structure that we have now. And the way this kind of lays out, you can see that these teams tie in directly into the core strategies that we developed during that first time that we got together, that the prayer team kind of plays into the prayer initiative, the communication team plays into the communication upgrade, the care and belonging team, pastoral care 2.0, discipleship team plays into the discipleship pathway. So we're kind of coming out of that with actual structure. And then the organization team is going to play this role where it coordinates and gives perspectives to the efforts of the other team. And also, um, having done that, then to make recommendations on organizational design uh, to the leadership of the church. That's kind of how that's played out. And now, I think, oh, and then each of our teams has an action plan. Um, Adrian, I think you commented after the first time we got together, like, is this just going to end up on the shelf somewhere and collect dust? This ensures that that won't happen because we are going to hold ourselves accountable. We're going to work this through a step-by-step, step-by-accountable step uh, to make sure that we're moving forward and that doesn't just sit up on the shelf. So the action plan is a key piece of that structure. And then finally, um, our facilitator, Tom Clegg, was talking to us just during this last time that we got together. And he said, I mean, we're talking about measures and we're talking about boring things about numbers and whatnot and why we got to keep track of those things. And he says, you know, really, it, it comes down to love. It's all about love. And we're like, love. But I had just recently remembered a quote. Um, I'm, I'm teaching a class in, in, in uh, quality management for healthcare. And this man here that you see on your screen is the father of healthcare quality management. Go figure, right? He's from U of M. Um, but his quote gets exactly at that. So I want to read the whole quote. It is the ethical dimensions of individuals that is essential to organization success. Ultimately, the secret of quality is love. You have to love your patient. You have to love your profession. You have to love your God. If you have love, you can then work backward to monitor and improve the system. So it does come down to love if you think about it that way. So I think that was an enlightenment to all of us. It was helpful. So... That's my lead-in to the conversations about the, uh, the different teams. All right? Good, John? Yes, you may. So thank you, Jan. That's great. Um, just to clarify how we'd like to involve you tonight. So you might have been part of the leadership community back in April where we did that four helpful lists exercise. And what we were trying... Uh, uh, to ask then 
was just about the church in general, what's right, what's wrong, what's confused, and what's missing. Those were the four helpful lists. And if, if as a group we can kind of discern that, and we did in April in, in a big picture, and that has informed the process moving forward. Tonight, each of the teams that Jan described are going to share a little bit about the work that they're advancing. And we, I put paper on your table there, and there's some pens and such. So if you could keep that in mind, because the question tonight for those four helpful lists is as you listen to these reports and as you consider the, 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 both the process and the progress that we've made in this strat-up uh, planning process, what's right, what's wrong, what's confused, and what's missing? Those are the four questions. So when, when these uh, five teams have reported, it'll, it'll be short, just a, a, a two to five minutes per team. Then we're going to break into probably three or four groups, subgroups from this big group, and talk about that together. What's, what's right? What are you hearing in these reports where you think, yeah, that's spot on? What's wrong? Did, did we miss something? You know, What's confused? What needs clarity? And what's missing? What, didn't you hear that you were expecting to hear? So those kinds of things. So please, as you're listening, bear those questions in mind, kind of jot those down. Uh, since prayer emerged as our top core value, we've asked each of the, the team leaders or the people reporting for the teams to share with you two or three prayer requests for each of the teams that are advancing their work. So we'd encourage you to write those down and, and to be praying together as a larger family for those, those teams and those leaders as they advance this. So now the prayer team. And this is not Chris Vanderzee, by the way. I was say, that was my lead-in. So this is my clicker. Aha. So yes, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not Chris Vanderzee, but I am on the prayer team. And in some ways, I feel like I should invite Deb Cox up here, because if you noted, as uh, Jan was talking, uh, we had an early initiative after the March meeting. Um, one of the first things was, hey, prayer needs to be our highest priority. And an elder team started, and they said, hey, these are the things that we feel God is calling us to. And what was really cool was when we got back together in August, we realized, oh, wait, all these things we just came up with, a, a third of them were already being initiate, initiated. So anyway, I, I, uh, it's really cool to see that happen and see some of the foundational work happening ahead and then see how the Holy Spirit is working in that. So the, the prayer team's objective um, is that fifth is led by the Holy Spirit in, in prayer. Uh, it happened again and again as we were talking. We just felt really called to stop and say we need to listen more. and We need to make sure that the Spirit is leading our time together and leads us as a body uh, because we, we don't know best where we should go, and we really want to lean in. Our key deliverables on the prayer team are... A, training all ages to pray. That came out as being really important, uh, starting with the, the really young, uh, all through generations, to make sure that everybody has opportunity to and knows how to. Just very simple strategies. Uh, some of that came out even in VBS. Chris and Krista were a part of that, and Krista led a small devotion in the morning. And it was a really powerful time for the people who were present to say, this needs to inform um, our meetings, and it, me it needs to be... Um, taught, not just expected to be um, kind of caught, caught in other ways. 
Second, corporate worship has more prayer. Uh, so like we did last Sunday, having opportunities for people to, to come and be prayed for and make that more of a natural thing. Um, C, collect and share stories and requests. We felt this was really important, especially if we're asking the Holy Spirit to lead to really glorifying God and honoring him in sharing the stories of the ways that we see him at work in our midst. And D, new opportunities around prayer. Uh, so again, praying into not just doing the same things we've always done or trying out a couple things that we heard might be good, um, but leaning in to try some new things to, um, again, not just, you know, throw the dice and everybody <laughs> choose what you like best, um, but discerning best what would be uh, good for our body, what would be helpful in the other areas in training all ages to pray, in uh, involving more prayer and corporate worship, in sharing those stories, finding ways to collect. Uh, what are the new opportunities that could add uh, depth to really create a culture of prayer? That's what we felt convicted about. Oh. So um, before John goes, uh, our three things, um, and I connected with Chris a little bit this morning, um, and I wrote them down so I wouldn't forget. I know the first one, we ask that you pray that the Holy Spirit really would lead and um, that you can continue to pray that. And, uh, and I think what that really involves, too, is us not uh, always being ready with what we think. I think one of the practices we're trying to uh, implement more is having more time to listen and recognizing that God speaks. And sometimes it's just learning to tune in and recognizing that he has been speaking. We just didn't really know that was him. <laughs> and so uh, one of the things is, is more listening prayer, more opportunities to uh, really engage the Holy Spirit. So first, pray that the Holy Spirit would lead and we would lean in that way. Uh, the second, uh, discernment about the new prayer opportunities. Uh, a real exciting time that happened a couple weeks ago, and some of you were there. There was a brainstorming session, and um, there were some members of Deb's team who had started back in March to implement things, and some new members who kind of raised their hand and said, hey, I'd like to be a part of this. And we just, we had a brainstorming session, and there were <laughs> hundreds, maybe almost thousands, no, hundreds of ideas that came up um, in the sense of, like, what might God do among us? And so um, discernment, what are the priorities there? What should we, what should we lead first? Uh, and then the last one, uh, Jan uh, just finished his talk, sorry, he's in the back, with the quote about love. And that came, you know, in, in the midst of us talking about evaluation. And it's interesting because we know in the business world, in the school world, in the medical world, we evaluate things to make sure that they're, we're doing a good job. That's our way to make sure that our inputs are right, if our outputs show that. And um, so with prayer, in thinking about developing a prayer culture, one of the things we ask you to pray for is that we would be able to come up with ways to effectively measure that change, to know where we are now. And, um, you know, six months down the line, a year down, however long, what are ways that we can look at um, to get a sense of uh, if we're truly developing a culture of prayer? Not just for the sake of numbers, you know, not to measure anything and everything. What would really give us insight into if this is uh, effective. So, thank you.
Good job. See ya. <clears throat> Time to take the kids home. <laughs> See you guys. Love you. Uh, discipleship team. So we were tasked with coming up with a clear discipleship pathway. Actually, how do I work this thing, Jan? Just There we go. There's the objective. Uh, fifth is really growing disciples who make disciples, meaning the, the reproducing, discipling thing is, is working. And we, we see multiple generations of people who've been discipled and then felt equipped enough to go and engage other people and disciple them. So we really are seeing disciples making disciples in a reproducing way. That's the objective. And our key deliverables for the team were these. Uh, a clear discipleship pathway is in place. We'd advance the missional discipleship um, conversation, meaning the disciples making disciples conversation, in both a fast track way and a slow track way. I'll explain that in a moment. And then the, the uh, discipleship pathway would have a leadership development emphasis. So a discipleship pathway is, the concept there is if somebody comes to the church and is brand new, they could be able to look at something very simply and say, oh, maybe this is the next step for me. And there, there'd be something in place in the life of the church where somebody brand new and somebody who's been here for years could look at that and have that same sense of, oh, hey, maybe this is the next step for me. So it, it's, it's something that we think about intentionally to, to propel spiritual growth and development along a path toward a desired end goal. And the desired end goal is Christians feeling equipped to function as missionaries wherever they are. Uh, that doesn't mean you've got to go somewhere else, right? It just means you can function where you are as a representative of Christ and advance the Great Commission within the circles of influence that you have. And that, that's, that's the goal. So we, I haven't put the graphic up here. We have in mind a, a river that kind of flows sideways that moves from, um, um, oh, explore, kind of four stages in this river, d different rapids, if you will. Explore, engage, equip, and expand. And you start in the river right down here, maybe exploring the faith with super low threat opportunities uh, to, to, to start exploring. And then on this side, expand. This would be, hey, I feel called to be a missionary in Burkina Faso, so we're going to go. Or I feel called to you know, start a missional community in my neighborhood with the specific goal of, of praying for my immediate neighbors and functioning with a couple other Christians two houses down to try to connect, meet, and, and, and walk with the people around us uh, for the purpose of sharing the gospel with them and, and walking with them in that way. So that, that's the kind of idea. There's a lot more there that will be coming. Uh, there's, there's an adult path, and we want an integrated uh, uh, children through student path, also K through 12, so there'll be a couple different looks at this discipleship pathway. And the missional discipleship thing, fast track and slow track, uh, the fast track is, which some of you here are interested in this, uh, you might be more kind of the pioneer types, saying, I am really ready to dive in. I want to be discipled so that I can disciple another person, and I want to do that now. Great. Let's, we're going to try to do that. 
not everybody's in that place right now, right? So the, the, the fast track is how we as a congregation can work with people who are, are kind of more pioneering in spirit and want to dive in and try this. The slow track is how we begin increasing the temperature of the whole congregation in this regard. So th this, this kind of discipleship pathway language will work its way into pastoral prayers, into how we do things on Sunday mornings, just generally trying to build a, a discipling culture within in the congregation. So that's the idea there. Leadership development emphasis, meaning that we, we need to drill down on this and at every level be very intentional about the skills that are required to function in, in different layers of leadership when you're leading other people, from kind of stepping into an initial serving opportunity to then maybe considering being a team leader of some kind, to then maybe considering being a coordinator over something, to then maybe thinking about being the director of something to then thinking about being the pastor of a church, to then, I mean, it goes on from there. A, the leader of a network to a leader of a movement kind of thing. Those things are beyond us. We're probably down in the what's happening in the church kind of thing. Uh, but we want to think about that and think about developing skills for those things. So there's a lot more to say, but that's, I'll leave it at that. The way you can pray for the discipleship team, we've really been asking the Lord to show us if this, this pathway is coming together in the way that he'd like to see it for fifth because there's 500 different ways that could look. Um, and then we're trying to figure out how to, uh, how to, how to uh, kind of measure that and, and what you actually offer in each of those four things, the, the uh, explore, engage, equip, expand. Uh, specifically, are there, are there outcomes that we'd like to see developed in people? Like if someone is exploring... Uh, what, what would we like to see happen in their life? And then how could we structure around that to accomplish that? So pray for clarity in that. Uh, pray for simplicity in that because it could get massively complex and we could end up with 50 programs. And we don't want that, right? It has to, it's, it's the balance between organized and organic. So that could be part of the prayer request in there too. Um, and this is a pretty all-encompassing thing. I mean, if you really think discipleship in a church, it's just about... I mean, we've got worship, and then basically everything else we're doing is, so it, it can get, it can feel big. So the clarity and simplicity things are really important. And, and then just the courage to uh, dive in, to pray, to work together, to seek some clarity, and then to put a stake in the ground and say, we are going to do this. So those things, clarity, simplicity, and courage, I think, are ours. So I'm not sure. Communication team. Rick Zomer, the doctor, Dr. Zomer reporting for Jordan Hum. Yes, uh, I'm not Jordan Hum, so that's, uh, I'll just take the mystery out of that. Uh, so our, our objective is, as one you would hope about communication, is hopefully relatively clear. Our objective is fifth communicates clearly, and that seems really, really simplistic. So, uh, you know, just in terms of the way I think, and this is a little way into my into the way I think, and so I apologize if this frightens you, but um, who here knows who Mark Cuban is? Mark Cuban, okay, Mark Cuban, if you don't know who Mark Cuban is, he owns the Dallas Mavericks, he's on Shark Tank, he's the guy who usually sits on, on the left in the white shirt and the black sport coat, he's the mean one, I guess they kind of all are, um, but about two, three years ago, he decided he was gonna create his own social media platform called Cyberdust to compete with Facebook and Snapchat and all these sorts of things, and then just started to try to like recruit people to communicate with him in that way. 
And the problem is, is that you actually can do that. There are no shortages of ways to communicate. And at the end of the day, if we choose not to use one particular way or another particular way, it becomes really personal. Um, so like I didn't join Cyberdust and Mark Cuban and I haven't spoke to this day. Um, <laughs> and we, we probably won't. But all that to say, there's any number of ways that we could communicate, but when your goal is fifth communicates clearly, that's a pretty big nut to crack. So uh, here is what we are going to do by March 31st, is I believe what our, our, our leader said uh, was the date. We got to pick our target dates, and we picked March 31st. Uh, we're going to do a current assessment, and we're going to try to look at that in really three ways. So how do we as a church community communicate to our neighbors, so the people on the other side of the glass? How do we communicate to our community? How do we communicate to our neighbors? So this is simply like, what, is, what does our church say? What do we say on the web? What do we say when people walk into this place? Not just you know, what we verbally say, but how we're set up, you know, all those kinds of things. Uh, then how do we communicate internally with one another? And that's sort of where the Mark Cuban thing comes up because there are any number of ways we could communicate and everybody seems to, well, I communicate by text. I do handwritten notes. Well, I use smoke signals. Well, I, whatever, I don't know. Uh, but how do we communicate internally and, and, and do that well? And then how do we communicate as a congregation to the staff and the other leadership? of the church and back and forth, vice versa. What does that look like? And so those are sort of the three sort of frames of reference we're going to use to try to do an assessment. Uh, we're going to drive some mobile options. So we, we have a new app uh, called PushPay. And I think people, oh, that's the way I can give online. Uh, yeah, but there are a lot of other things it can do. And so one of the things we're going to do is try to figure out how we can best communicate and do some trainings around what this app could do for us. Uh, consistent rhythm of storytelling, and I think you're starting to see that already uh, a little bit uh, more intentionally, like on Wednesday nights, and then also in, in, the, service, in the services. Uh, developing two-way communication, that's sort of like what we're all about. And then rolling out a plan. This is, you know, for good or for ill, this is what we think. We've talked to all these people. We'll do some focus groups. We'll do some, we're gonna seek input. But this is the plan that we're gonna use. And uh, then we're gonna make some organizational suggestions. You know, if this is how we think we as a group are talking about communication, it might mean that we might have to organize, organize ourselves differently. So, for example, if I decided I wanted to start eating healthy, I would probably have to start shopping differently, perhaps. So it's that kind of a thing. And so those are, that's really what we're going after. And to, and to be real honest, I have no idea how many slides I have. Um, so that's, that's, that's our slides. I want to thank Jen for creating them. In terms of prayer requests, I think uh, really probably two things. One, that um, as we seek input uh, across the congregation, and I don't think this will be a challenge, but that people will have uh, just the courage and the interest to actually share with us. One of the things we started doing uh, during our last retreat was just starting to write down all the different um, groups, events, organizations that go on here around Fifth, and there, I gotta be honest, there were, there were people meeting, and I, I just had no idea. And what would be really a shame is if we just didn't listen to the whole church. And so um, a prayer request is that people will just come forward and say, hey, this is something I feel passionate about. This is a group that we're involved in here. We'd like to you know, have that be part of the conversation around this. So, so people being willing 
to share. And then the other thing is people just being gracious because to be perfectly honest, I think this one strikes me as the one that people will have a lot of really good opinions about. Um, but we're not going to be able to do everything. Jordan could if she was here, if she's not. So um, those would be the two things right off the bat. And with that, I'll turn it over to Jen. Thank you, Rick. All right, so the organization team is a little bit different. Um, sort of a team because it kind of has an oversight role. Uh, on this team, uh, we have John Meyer and John Sherrill. Uh, we have Susan Vogelvanderson. Uh, we have Andy Allen and Ted Cox. So we have some real strategically thinking uh, folks on this team, which I think is going to be very helpful. Uh, our objective is, fifth is organized to partner with God in his redemptive mission in the world, that wording was taken from Reggie McNeil's book, Missional, um, Missional Church, Missional Renaissance. That was it, right? And you know, it's 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 a big objective, and I'm going to say right away, as far as you know, prayer requests. I feel like we're going to have a sense that we're in the middle of spiritual warfare. I think spiritual warfare is always going on, but I don't think we're always aware of that. And when we start trying to get to this point where we're saying, you know, we're partnering with God, um, I think that invites um, some untoward forces to come in. So I, I, I think that's where our main prayer request will be. I think the two, uh, what I consider weapons of mass destruction, uh, on, on, on the part of Satan is relativism and materialism, and I think we can go down that road with both of these as we're trying to, you know, gain uh, success in whatever we do as a church. So that's my primary um, prayer request for you as far as our team is concerned. Our key deliverables, uh, we are providing, number one, we're providing perspective. I think how we looked at that, if there's like a Sorry, I'm such a battlefield kind of guy, but there's a battlefield going on, and then we're kind of on the hilltop watching everything and kind of, you know, maybe we've got a radio, I don't know, and we're kind of um, helping people, you know, get positioned. Um, but so there's a perspective piece of it, and as each of these other four teams are moving forward, especially when they're starting to do assessments of various sorts, we want to make sure that they're coordinated in what they do, and they don't duplicate their efforts or or whatever, or, or, or have big gaps. Um, audit current organizational effectiveness, a lot of this will be done through the teams, through the other teams, but also uh, through ourselves, and maybe ours would be more of a, uh, a plan that brings the other evaluation plans together. Make recommendations for future organizational design, that's really kind of like the second phase of what our team will be doing. Uh, again, the first phase is giving perspective to the other teams, but also bringing all this together, and then, um, making recommendations in, in terms of organization design to uh, staff, consistory, ministry teams, et cetera. And then developing an organizational learning process. Again, it's an ongoing process. You're always reassessing. And this is kind of like that fifth discipline notion uh, that's kind of gone around the business world where you're really trying to learn from what you do. And we want to create some sort of system that allows us to do that ongoing. Uh, and that's the organization team, Laura. Hi, everyone. If you don't know me, I am Laura Danielson. My name actually matches the slide here. 
Um, I'm leading up the care and belonging team, and our team members are Lori Kane, Carol Fields, Michelle Zomer, Josh Wall, Nyleen Knoll, Larry McMullen, and Crystal Sherrill. Um, our objective is that fifth be a community of belonging where we care well for one another. Um, and the thoughts behind this is that uh, as believers, we all belong to the family. We're all adopted brothers and sisters in the family of God. Um, and we live this out by being in community with one another. And that kind of community is the kind where you are really known, you really know the people around you, you're involved in each other's lives, uh, you rejoice in the good times, and you uh, support and care for one another in the harder times. Um, so at Fifth, we desire to be a place where it's easy for everyone to find that kind of community. Um, and at the same time, we know that that's hard, especially in the United States and especially in West Michigan. Um, it can be hard to form those kind of connections with each other. So our team is exploring how the church can create environments where it's easy to meet people and form deeper relationships. Um, and then um, just to have a culture, so it's part of our DNA and how we just, our default way of operating is to um, care well for one another. Um, our key deliverables, I'm gonna take these out of order. Because um, the first thing we're doing is exploring current causes of disconnectedness. Um, our team is hard at work right now doing little focus groups and individual meetings, um, hearing people's stories, hearing what has worked well, what hasn't worked, what we can do better um, to help people connect to each other. Um, and if you are willing to share your story or any ideas that you have with me, I would love to hear that or I'd love to connect you with somebody on our team. Um, so you can either contact me or um, I'm going to do some focus groups next Sunday before church at 9 a.m. out at our table in the lobby here. So just show up. You don't even have to tell me. Um, and we would love to hear your stories and ideas. Um, the next thing we'll do is make recommendations. We're going to use all that information that we gather from you. Um, and we're also reading some books and looking at some other resources to see what other churches have done that's been successful. Um, so we're going to make recommendations about what we can do, um, things like how we implement the community groups or social events, those kind of things that, um, to foster better community. And then um, if we do that well, this will be our primary strategy for congregational care. When you're connected and you're involved in each other's lives, then um, you know what people need and we can meet those needs so you know somebody needs a meal or needs you to hold their crying baby for a few hours so they can take a shower. Um, you know that about the people in your community. And then our last objective is to increase some social events. Um, that is the first thing we're doing with that is game night on Friday. So I encourage you all to come. Um, we're just going to increase the unstructured time where you can get to know people and play and have fun together. Um, and that's also an easy invite for friends and neighbors who might not be involved in a church. Um, if you can get them in the door for a game night, maybe the next ask for Sunday morning or some other event is a little easier because they're comfortable in this space. Um, and then, is that it? Okay. Um, just one last note. Um, all of this care and belonging stuff is not just so we can have a holy huddle with each other. Um, we do think that that's God's design is that we live in this community and it's good for us, it's good for our growth and our care meeting our needs. But um, as we see in Acts 2, um, 
the early church. They lived together, shared everything, took care of the people in their midst. Um, and it was so countercultural that people stood up, sat up and took notice and said, why are people living like this? This is not normal to you know, give away all of your stuff. Um, so it's so attractive to others and that in Acts 2, we see that uh, people took notice and were ultimately saved. And so we have a huge opportunity um, to create spaces where anybody who walks through the door can find somewhere that they belong. That's not what we usually get in a lot of our other places in our culture today. Um, so that's what we're going after with the team. And I'm super excited because this process has mobilized leaders and it's really, really great. So thank you to all, all the team leaders and the people serving on teams. This is really quite fantastic in my mind. Um, so the four helpful lists exercise, let's spend 15 or 20 minutes doing this if we can. And uh, forgive me, I left my notes in my office. Marsha, Josh, Rick, and Jan Fields. Would each of you kind of stand up? And we're, we're gonna go to four spaces. We have four different groups and let's have uh, somebody up here. Rick, you good right here? I think we're going to stay inside here because Jeff... Did Jeff leave? Oh, okay, we're going to stay inside because Jeff is in the lobby, but maybe if we kind of do one on this end of the room and one on that end of the room. Uh, Josh, you back there? And then, um, Marsha, why don't you take the office? And, we'll, and another group will be in the main office, kind of in the back. There's a conference table back there, and we can do one back there. And then, Jan, why don't you go to 103 down the hallway here. And by my count, we need to split up into groups of maybe 12 to 15. So could we, could we just let you do that on your own? And uh, we need 12 to 15 people up here uh, with Rick, 12 to 15 people back there with Josh, 12 to 15 down the hallway, that direction in 103 with Jan, and then 12 to 15 in uh, the, the office area uh, with with Marsha. And then team leaders, let's just, we'll, we'll conclude our time for the evening in those groups. So if you might lead a prayer time uh, with your group together, and then we'll close out. Oh, yeah. Hey, also, Randy McConnell has graciously uh, volunteered to help with the food and such for these evenings. But what we don't have planned is people to help clean up afterwards. So if you have a few minutes after the group is done meeting and you can stay and help clean up a little bit, that would be much appreciated. Okay, thanks everyone for your time tonight. <laughs>